The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, April 16th. And for those of you who are preparing your taxes, have a crappy weekend. Sorry, dudes. Um, for the rest of you, we've got a, an interview with Jacob Goldstein. He's a podcaster and author. His podcast is called What's Your Problem? It's on the Pushkin platform. Um, dig that Pushkin platform, by the way. He's got an interesting background in that he uh, was spent about a decade as a co-host of Planet Money. And I know many of you also listen to Planet Money. So uh, he's also the, an author. The book that he wrote is called Money, the True Story of a made-up thing, which the New York Times called, quote, a history of currency full of astonishing tales you might tell a friend in the pub. Hmm. Pub is not a word that is often used in the New York area, so I don't know what pub he's ta they're talking about in the New York Times. Okay, here's the first part of our interview with Jacob Goldstein. Talk a little bit about early Planet Money and, um, and what was going on at the time. Planet Money was launched right in the financial crisis. Hard as it seems to believe, I think the first episode of the show was like literally the day or the day after Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy, which is like the, you know, ground zero moment for the 2008 financial crisis. Yes. I was working at the Wall Street Journal at the time. And I started listening to Planet Money, and I loved the style of the show, right? It's very chatty. It's smart, like nerdy, but but not in the kind of, you know, voice of God, newscaster style. More like, hey, we're, we're people trying to figure this thing out. And I really liked their style. And I was lucky enough in 2010 to go and get a job there. And it was a great job. Can I say that the um, maybe the only podcast that I downloaded for like five years that actually is still on my computer is the giant pool of money. Yeah. So that was, that was actually, uh, this American life, yep. even before planet money launched, that was like the or planet money. And it impressively in retrospect, I can say that cause I wasn't a part of it. It was in like the spring of 2008. So it was before the real full on meltdown had happened. So they were smart enough sort of to see that coming and then to turn you know, basically securitization of mortgages, this pretty wonky, arcane financial subject that was about to be a huge deal. They were able to turn that into this like fun character driven narrative that ordinary people could like follow and understand and be interested in. 
Now, besides being a cocktail, can you talk about Gimlet and um, what happened out of the Planet Money world and what spurred from that? Sure. So one of the founders of Planet Money was a guy named Alex Bloomberg, super talented. He had worked at This American Life before. And uh, several years into Planet Money, he realized, hey, these podcasts, these are like a real thing. This is an exciting sort of creative moment. And he went and he started a company called Gimlet that made podcasts and they made a bunch of podcasts for a few years. And then they got bought by Spotify for like $200 million. So mazel tov, Alex. Okay. But why when Jacob Goldstein is launching hey, into me. his next career, does he not go to Gimlet and instead goes to Pushkin. And we'll talk about your brand new show, but why? So what happened there? Like, I kind of would have thought like, all right, all you NPR people, you're very high minded. You all stick together. And so you would have gone to Gimlet. Why did you choose Pushkin for your first solo podcast? Great question. Basically, by the time I was ready to leap, I liked Planet Money and I was working on a book and all these things sort of kept me there for a while as Alex was building and then selling Gimlet. By the time I was ready to leap, I was ready for someplace smaller and kind of more entrepreneurial than NPR. And by the time I was ready to go, Gimlet had already been bought. It was already a part of this giant corporation, Spotify, whereas Pushkin, the company where I work now, was at an earlier stage, basically. Pushkin is about 60 people. Uh, I don't even count as a new guy there anymore because I've been there for six months now. There were 50 when I went. And so it seemed sort of fun and exciting to be at a small, independent, startup-y place. That's why I went to Pushkin. And and it's great. Like, it's full of smart people. And, you know, Michael Lewis makes a show there and Malcolm Gladwell makes a show there. Like, these really brilliant people are making podcasts there. So it's fun to be, you know, in the room. And now you've got this new podcast. It's called What's Your Problem with Jacob Goldstein. So- What's this whole podcast about, Jacob? So the podcast is an interview show, and I talk to entrepreneurs and engineers, basically people who are working on hard, interesting problems about, you know, what are they trying to do? What's the problem they're trying to solve? And this comes from the book you wrote, right? Yeah, it's related. So, I mean, so the, the book I wrote was a book about money, but there's a big idea, both in the book and that I sort of learned when I was at Planet Money. You know, I didn't really study economics before uh, covering it at Planet Money. And the really big idea of economics that is useful and exciting to me is this idea that the pie can get bigger, right? That like everybody can get richer. And, and it's not intuitive, right? The world feels like a zero-sum game. If somebody gets more, it feels like somebody else should have less. But that's just not true, right? And when you look, when you zoom out and look at, you know, the past few hundred years, most of the people in the world today are much richer than their grandparents were. And the way you get richer, the way we all get richer collectively, is by people figuring out how to do things better, right? By real technological breakthroughs, not just like a new app, but like figuring out how to do things more efficiently, how to do things more cheaply, how to do things faster. Like this is it's really progress, right? The word progress is kind of out of fashion, but it's a real thing. And that's what I'm excited about. And I'm really trying to get to the real thing happening with progress in my show. Well, it's so cool. And by the way, Mark, producer Mark, um, the one of the recent episodes is the CEO of Duolingo. Aren't you using that to try to learn how to speak Mandarin? 
Yeah. So Louis Von Ahn is the guy's name and Jacob talks to him. So how do you come up with the idea of who comes on the program? Like, is it just like you like, oh, I read this cool thing or do you have like this whole like cadre of producers pitching you and what, how do you come up with these ideas? Yeah, there is no cadre. I have a producer and we try and figure out, you know, who is interesting, who is working on a big problem that a lot of people will care about, who's going to be candid about the problems they have. So you mentioned the Duolingo guy with the language app, and he was great because he came on the show and he said, look, the app is good at teaching people to read and write and understand, but we're still not that good at actually teaching people to speak. And what we need for that to happen is for people to be able to have a spontaneous conversation in the app. And people don't want to talk to some random foreign language speaker on their phone. They want to talk with the computer. But the technology right now, if you've ever used a chatbot to whatever, try and cancel your cable, you know this, it's just not good enough to have a chatbot you can actually chat with. And that turns out to be this great big frontier problem in artificial intelligence. And so we talked about Duolingo and also about like these big ideas in artificial intelligence. He was great. What's the problem that you would like solved in your own life? Like what is a, what are some of the problems that you think like, God damn it. Why can't I? Mm. And but don't say something about the F train, which Mark, by the way, I got stranded on the F train and I missed my call and had to go up and walk out at 14th Street and do that call last week. So what's a problem you're looking to solve? The F train is, is a, a problem. problem. It's a problem right, right? now. I mean, I'm telling you that right now. It is interesting if you think about transportation, right? Like transportation, I mean, cars have gotten more efficient, which is good and exciting. But if you think about speed of transportation and general ease of transportation, it has not gotten better for 50 years, say, right? Planes, in fact, go slower than they went 50 years ago. Now, like, it's not a personal problem for me. Like, I don't care. I don't travel that much. It would be nice if the F train were better. It is my train. But, you know, for the world, if transportation could get way more efficient, if transportation could get faster, if transportation could get cheaper, it would mean all of the things that we get shipped to us would be cheaper. It would mean effectively that we would be getting richer, right? So like, uh, this is a big problem. I had a great talk with somebody about self-driving cars, which is like, for me, the self-driving car question has weirdly flipped over the last several years, right? I, five years ago, 10 years ago, self-driving cars were like a year or two away. And then four years after that, they were a year or two away. And now it's like, well, it's kind of a hard problem, it turns out. And the interesting thing that I learned really in doing a, a interview with the CEO of Zooks, which is this autonomous car company that Amazon bought a while back, is like... If there were no human drivers, autonomous cars would be here. Cars could drive themselves. The problem for cars is understanding what we weird human beings are going to do. You know, pulling up at a four-way stop. If you're a human driver and there's somebody else pulling up, you immediately, without thinking about it, know all these things about that person. You can read their attitude. You can be like, oh, is this the kind of jerk who's going to jam in front of me? Or is this the kind of person who's going to wait there all day for me to go, right? AI can't figure that out yet, right? It's it's a thing we as humans have been learning all our lives without knowing it. All of this sort of implicit knowledge we have about the way other people are. That turns out to be the really hard problem for AI. I will say that traffic is a problem that continues to vex. And I find that in the post-pandemic world, I'm once again reminded of this, like the annoyances of pre-pandemic world are back again, like traffic, and it does drive me insane. So the idea of having a self-driving car and having traffic that would move at a certain 
pace that you know what I mean? Like that it would it, it seems like it would be such a great life enhancer for the vast majority of Americans. I think it would. I mean, it's hard to make the shift, right? Like if you could get to the world with all AI vehicles and then with all self-driving cars that are truly self-driving, you wouldn't even need to own a car. Like you could if you wanted, but why would you, right? Why would right. you leave a car sitting there in your driveway when it could go off and pick up somebody else and give them a ride? And then also the cars could sort of communicate with each other it is shocking to me. Like people seem like such bad drivers, right? Like <laughs> obviously they are. we're bad drivers. Every just human beings. We have literal blind spots. We look at our phones. And so in a way, it's shocking to me that computers can't do it better, that AI can't do it better. And and I've actually revised my opinion of human drivers up, right? I was talking about this with the on the show, like asking the CEO, like, are people better drivers than I thought? And she said basically, you know, people are good at understanding people. And so if you could just get rid of the people driving cars, the problem would be solved. But we can't do that, right? There's this weird kind of phase shift problem that we're stuck at. Okay, second part of our interview with Jacob Goldstein will air tomorrow. In the meantime, good luck with your taxes, procrastinators. And for the rest of you, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 